Alright y'all, this is the 13th episode of the Shibble Option Report podcast, and today we have a mixture of sports and pop culture, with a little bit of comic books, that's mixed with the pop culture. With uh, sports, first off, the big news that came out, Bradley Beal to the Suns. The official trade is Bradley Beal, Jordan Goodwin, and Isaiah Todd to, to the Suns. For Chris Paul, Landry Shamit, and multiple second round picks. And a first round pick swap. Now, people might be thinking, oh, uh, the Wizards didn't let go of, uh, I mean, didn't try to get big man, DeAndre Ayton. It's the Wizards. They do some weird trades. We forget, they're probably the key reason why the Lakers were able to get Anthony Davis in the first place a few years ago. That led to their ring recently. So the Wizards are weird. They tend to help out teams for, I don't know why, but they do. It's it's, it's just, that's a thing with them. Now, with the Suns, how does this help the Suns? I don't know how it does, really. I mean, I I guess, like, keeping Aiden while getting Bill can help in a certain way because you got a big man still, but, again, the Suns' weakness was nothing. The The starting five was never the Suns' weakness. And getting a third guy that does the exact same thing, like I, like I said before, as the other two top guys, I mean, that's not going to really fix their problems. Their problems are the lack of a supporting cast. And you lost another member of that supporting cast, one of the better ones, Landry Shamit, of an already, an already already weak one. So, like, I, I guess it'll help them because it's more firepower for the, I guess, for the starting five. But, again... There's nothing to help. In today's NBA, you need a good supporting cast to help your top two or three guys. And vice versa. Like, the Suns aren't any better to me at... They don't have any better of a chance to beat the Nuggets than they did last year with this trade. And, you know, I I don't know, like... You look at Beal... Yeah, he's younger, but again, the contract is expensive. It's a no-trade clause. It's a lot. And I don't know if he's even a top 20 or even a top 25 player in the NBA. So paying paying him that much, and I don't know how you fill up the rest of that roster. The only guys left in the roster are, are him, what, Aiden, I think, uh... Booker and KD, right? That's about it. Like, how do you how do you even fill out the rest of the roster? I don't know how you can. It again, like, it's gonna have to hope that those three guys can score a lot of points and that DeAndre Ayton can play like he did in the twenty twenty one playoffs. Or otherwise, I don't see much of a better result for them. And they're definitely not being the Nuggets with this roster, like with that style. No. Now it's for Chris Paul. Poor Chris Paul didn't even know that was happening when it happened. Which is, yeah, I, I, you can say what you want about him. But he's still one of the greatest point guards ever. So, come on. You could at least acknowledge that that was going to happen. At least tell him somewhat. But, like, with Chris Paul, I don't know. Like, I don't see him staying, staying with the Wizards. 
Then again, I didn't see him staying with OKC, and that ended up doing well for that one year and revived his career to a certain ex extent. But still, I don't see it happening now because he's gotten a lot older, and he still could play well. It's just that people, the people didn't like the contract that he had when he left for OKC, well, was traded to OKC. In this situation, he's a lot older. His defense has fallen off a cliff because he's a lot older. He can't score anywhere near as good as he did in the past either. So it's, it's a big difference. I don't see them keeping him. They can let him go and only like take out like half his contract, pay for like half his contract if I'm correct. And if there was a team that could get him, they're looking, they're saying that the Clippers most likely. I said in the past, I'm not a big fan of that. Mainly because I, I Russ, Russell Westbrook does good when he's got the, when he dominates the ball himself. The Wizards, he did well because Beal, for, for the most part, I mean, yeah, he does have the ball in his hands a lot, but he can score off ball. Which, in regards to the Suns, you might be thinking, oh, that's different than Devin Booker and KD, right? Yeah, but he scores the same way. He plays the same type of offense, just off ball, but it's the same thing. But so, with this, again, like, he scores off ball with the Wizards, so Russ could actually flourish because he's not having to share the ball. The Clippers, it worked well here because, yes, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard can be ball-dominant themselves, but Kawhi Le Leonard doesn't usually need to have the ball like that. And Paul George can score off ball as well, really well. Or it'll be just as good as he does with the ball in his hands. So Russ can, again, dominate the ball by himself, and he can flourish. With Chris Paul, that's two guys who need the ball in their hands. And that's also two guys whose defense has fallen off, a, fallen off a cliff because they've gotten older. So it's just not a good move. And what helped out Russ also is that players could score off ball for him, for the Clippers. Those players are going to have less minutes now because Chris Paul is involved. Like, it's, it's not a good... I don't see that ending well. If, if he goes to the Clippers. Other team, the Heat. Now, the Heat didn't get Bradley Beal, which I thought would have been an excellent move because apparently they didn't want to let go of Tyler Hero. Look, you could have had the opportunity to... If, it, if that Bradley Beal trade were to happen, you would have honestly just lost, what, Duncan Robinson III and Tyler Hero. So pretty much you would have swapped Tyler Hero for Bradley Beal and only lost Duncan Robinson III. That would have been an instant upgrade. Now, the Heat still have a chance, though. Again, if they were to get Dane... I look at that, though, and I don't know. Because at first, it looked like maybe Dane wants to leave Portland. Now, uh, Sham says that Dane wants to stay in Portland. So I don't really know what's up with, Dane, with Damon Lillard because this has been happening for how many years now where he says initially, ah, I want to leave Portland. But now he's saying, ah, actually, I don't want to leave Portland. I want to, I you know, I want to try to keep them, get them a ring. It's not going to happen, by the way. Unless Portland can somehow magically improve that roster to a significant extent and get a star, that's not going to happen. So I don't know what's going on with, with Dame. I don't know. At this point, it is it is what it is. Whatever happens, happens. But if the Heat were to magically get Dame for the same trade that they weren't able to pull off with the Wizards, again, phenomenal. And the Heat immediately become a contender. Like a legit could actually win the whole thing. And also, with the Suns, I thought it was kind of weird. Not a, 
Beals agent Mark Bartlestein is the father of the son CEO Josh Bartlestein. So again, that was a little strange. And then immediately the sons were what the like the favorites to hit to get him the second that the deal was like that he wanted to get traded or whatever. Like that that's that was a little weird. Not saying anything, but yeah. Now that sports is out the way. On to another big topic. I saw the trailer for Craven the Hunter. I liked it. At the same time, though, I didn't like it. Not because of the trailer itself. I thought the trailer looked really good. But I wasn't a fan of the fact that there's no Spider-Man. And this is now another Sony movie where there's a Spider-Man villain starring the movie and no Spider-Man. This is not this, even the second one. This is even the third one. We've had Carnage, Venom, Morbius, Craven. I have no idea why there's no Spider-Man in any of these movies. I have no idea what Sony's doing. Because at the same time, you have Into the Spider-Verse and Across the Spider-Verse. They're both great movies. But again, Sony's making that, but then making this. But then again, they're making movies for the MCU with No Way Home and Far From Home and Homecoming. So I don't know what's going on with Spider-Man and Sony. It's, it's weird. Like, at one point it's great, other point it helps out the MCU, and another point it's just weird and strange. And is the Amazing Spider-Man-verse still happening? Like, this is all weird. Why are we still making villains for the Amazing Spider-Man when we haven't seen an Amazing Spider-Man movie in uh, what almost feels like a decade? It's very strange. I don't know what Sony's doing. In, in, in a way... It's kind of, it's almost as weird as DC's situation. Like, at least Sony has the Spider-Verse movies to fall back on. And the MCU Spider-Man movies to fall back on. DC has none of that, so it looks worse. But honestly, you can make the, uh, the case that Sony might be, might be making even weirder moves. Like, because it, 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 I don't know, like, at least with DC, you could see at one point what they're trying to do. With Sony, I have no idea what they're trying to do. It is randomly throwing movies together involving Spider-Man villains. Like, you could really make a case, though, at the same time. Like, the comic book movie industry in general is in a weird spot. Because even Marvel is having a, a, a funky time right now. It's kind of a weird time. Like, we talked about Sony and, and, and DC and how they've had problems pretty much from the get-go, but... Marvel, this last phase, and I'm not gonna say I'm gonna say something though. I don't think it's like superhero fatigue, because again, look at across the Spider Verse. Look at the, the recent Guardians movie of the Galaxy, uh, what, Volume Three. Those movies did great in the box office. I just think there's been a slight drop off, and not a slight drop off. There's been a drop off of quality within the the comic book movie. Industry in general. Like, uh... Phase 4 in general. Look at the Phase 4. You know, in the first three phases, it was rare to find a bad movie. Or even, like, a mediocre movie. That's why they stood out so badly. Thor, The Dark World... Like, movies like that stood out badly because in an era of making good to great movies, you make one that's kind of mediocre or bad, 
yeah, it's going to look a lot worse. In Phase 4, there was a lot more movies towards the quality of Thor The Dark World. I still think that's the worst MCU movie, though. But still, like, there are more movies who are more towards a mediocre or below average in this phase than the other three phases combined. Like, I look... Black Widow, that was an okay movie at best, honestly. It was very forgettable. I forgot all about it, honestly. Like, it, it felt more like a TV movie than it did an actual movie. Shang-Chi, that was great. Well, not great, it was really good. That was, might be the best of Phase 4. Or, like, at worst, top 2 or 3. Eternals was not good. I was not a fan of Eternals. It was boring, and it, in general, I don't think, it, in terms of quality, it wasn't really up to par. Might be the most boring MCU movie ever, actually. Even more than The Dark World. Not saying it's bad, but it's more boring, I would say. No Way Home. Great. Like, again, the Spider-Man movies, all, all the Spider-Man movies post-Amazing Spider-Man 2 have been at least, at the very worst, good. And No Way Home continues that streak. Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. That was a weird movie. It felt like a Sam Raimi movie, though. Definitely. Like, just everything. How the characters interact with each other. The, di the dialogue. How the camera was. Everything. The action scenes. It felt like a, like a clear-cut, prime Sam Raimi movie. And I thought it was pretty good. I didn't think it was great, no. But it was pretty good. Like, it, it wasn't a masterpiece, but it did its job. And it had some parts I wasn't a big fan of, but overall, I was entertained. And it was unique. It was a lot different than any other MCU, MCU film. I'll say that. Thor Love and Thunder was terrible. Really bad. Is this bad as The Dark World? Still wouldn't say that. But in terms of disappointment, might be the most disappointing MCU film yet. So many high expectations. The trailer, the trailer looked great. You saw Gore, like, I mean, Boar, huh, Gore, Boar, the God Butcher. But the overall movie itself, a massive disappointment. A little too unserious, honestly. And I'm not one of those people who says that, like, jokes and, you know, quippy and all that, like the quippy dialogue, it, that's a problem. But at the same time, you can't be too unserious. They went a little too unserious here. And I get you wanted to make Thor different from the, com com than the comic version. And I get that. Because originally, Thor was just like the comic version. It didn't really work. So they had to make it more comedic. But there still needs to be some seriousness there. It just clashed too much. And Black Panther Wakanda Forever... I didn't think it was as good as the original movie. I thought it was good, though. I liked it. But, again, I didn't think it was as good as the, the OG Black Panther movie. And, obviously, now, with the recent stuff that's come out, you know, with Namor, uh, Tenoch, Erta, that is, uh, yeah, makes it not hard. Well, you know, it's just like, oh, boy. Like, you can't continue with him. He has to be out. But those allegations... And other stuff that might come out, like, yeah. And people who were talking about, like, uh, oh, we'll talk about things. Yeah, no, that's a serious situation there. Like, no. Like, he, he, no, he needs to be out of there. ASAP. 
for TV though, I mean, WandaVision, again, WandaVision, I really liked WandaVision, I thought it was great. Falcon Winter Soldier was okay, and the ending was awful. And also, I was not a big fan of what the meaning of the show was, or what the lesson was being told there, at all. From a personal standpoint, uh, Loki I thought was really good. What if was what you'd expect it to be? Not forgettable, but, you know, not something that you take seriously like that. It was entertaining for what it was. I'll say that. Hawkeye was okay, and the ending, again, was terrible. Moon Knight. I actually think it was underrated. I, it, yeah, it needed more action in it overall, but for what Moon Knight is, and, like, how he is in the comic books, I thought them entering more into, you know, his mental health, I thought it was good. Miss Marvel, I thought it was really good. And I was hyped for what it meant, meant like, what it might mean for, like, the X-Men in the future. Spoilers. But, like, I thought the actual show itself was really good. She-Hulk, I actually think, gets a little too much flag. It wasn't good. It's not. But it's not terrible. And people who might say, like, oh, it's not serious enough or it's too jokey-jokey, that's not a reason why to critique She-Hulk. Because if you read She-Hulk comic books, She-Hulk's sort of like Deadpool. Not just because she breaks the fourth wall, but also because... She's really unserious. And her comics are unserious. Like, they're mainly not comedy, but you know. Like Deadpool. But like, there are certain things I wasn't a big fan of in there, yeah. But overall, the show is okay. And then the other ones, like Real by Night, that was really good. And Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special, that was nice too. Uh, but again, I'm a sucker for Christmas stuff in general, as long as it makes sense and is good. And it made sense it was good. So I liked it. So overall, in Phase 4, even the MCU, it was a mixed bag. It was all over the place. You had some good stuff, some really good stuff, to even great stuff. Some okay stuff and some really bad stuff. Just all over the place. While as Phases 1 through 3 were, for the most part, almost across the board really good. So even with Marvel, you had a lack of quality compared to what you usually get. So I don't know what's going on there. And, and you look at Phase 5. So far it's a weird mixed bag. Quantumania. Not just because of the whole Jonathan Major situation. Which again, yikes. He needs to be let go. If, if those allegations are true. And I'm not going to lie. They look really bad. That's a serious situation as well. But and, and even getting off of that. The movie itself wasn't good. I know a lot of people aren't fans of the Ant-Man movies in general, but I like the first one. I thought Ant-Man and the Wasp, the second was fine. I thought this one was not good. It was the weakest of the three. Guardian, but then again, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 was great. So, who knows? And uh, the upcoming show, Secret Invasion, only, what, a 69% of Rotten Tomatoes, so the reviews are kind of mixed. That's a bit concerning. So again, phase five, you think, okay, it's gonna get a little better from phase four. Phase phase four is just like you know a weird uh, transitional period, but no. Phase five is also looking kind of weird. It's kind of up and down. Uh, unless Secret Invasion is getting, uh, unless it's a lot better than what the, the the reviewers think it is. But if it's as good as what the mixed reviews is getting, then yeah, it's looking rather the same as phase four, phase five. Which is a bit concerning, because now you're supposed to be getting more into it. And if it's still the same thing quality-wise, that's a bit concerning. See, Marvel was the one part of the 
in general, comic movies have never really been like top par ever. The weird exception to the rule was Marvel and MCU. And if Marvel and MCU are struggling, yeah, that's that's a bit in terms of quality, like consistency, that's a bit concerning. Like the superhero fatigue is not because of, of the actual medium itself, it's because the quality isn't what it was. That's really it, honestly. You make great superhero movies across the board again, and business will be booming across the board again. That's really it, honestly. Even DC, Batman did great. The actual movie itself. Because it's a good movie. That's it, really. Flash was an okay movie, apparently, because I didn't see it, with an awful person involved who is not getting punished at all, despite the fact that that person's committing crimes. And so, of course, it was going to bomb. What do you think? Black Adam was a movie that could have been good, but again, it just didn't go the way it should have, and it bombed. What do you think? Like, you're not making good movies, they're not gonna... <laughs> they're not gonna do good in the box office. And as for Shazam, you don't promote movies, they're definitely not gonna do good in the box office. Speaking of not promoting movies, Elemental is another one that bombed. 33.34 million domestic box office first weekend. That's what? Is that, isn't that, I believe that's the worst opening weekend for a Pixar movie ever. Domestically. You know, you know how bad that movie was? Like, money-wise? Spider-Verse, Across the Spider-Verse, made almost the same amount this weekend. When it was released <laughs> previously. That's not a good... That's a horrible thing. It made barely half of what Flash did. And we thought Flash was a massive bomb. So... Yeah, like, Elemental... I didn't even know what Elemental was. Like, people were saying, like... Oh, well, it's because... It bombed because... Wokeness, or there's a non-binary... No. First off, all those comics... Comics Gate and... and Gamergate people... They're just a bunch of man-children. And they... they or, or grifters. Either they're just crazy... There are people who are angry and pissed that they might have lost a job or position involved with the comic industry industry or, or entertainment industry or gaming industry in general. And so they're just being petty. Or they're just grifters. I'd say a good chunk of them were grifters. Like, it, it, they're just trying to con people out of money, really. Like, that's, that's it. Like, those far-right people who were involved in this stuff were either crazy and legit bad people were also legit bad people and just gripping people out of money like all that crap about oh it's because they're woke whatever no it's stupid like, oh that's dumb it didn't make good money because no one talked about it i saw no promotion for this movie i didn't even know this movie was coming out i was like what the heck is elemental like they, they promoted movies for Disney Plus better than they did with this. I didn't even know this movie was coming out. Like, but that, that's the thing. Disney recently, I've noticed, Disney and even Pixar have not done anywhere near as good a job of promoting movies or just shows or anything really like that, like they used to in the past. I don't know what's up with that, but they need to fix that because they have a big industry part. I mean, they have a big hand in this industry. They're over, what, ESPN, ABC, Disney, all that's on... 20th Century Fox? You're telling me that you can't promote any of this stuff well? 
Because this, this isn't the first time this has happened in regards to Disney and Pixar recently. So that's, that's concerning as well. Like, every, all this stuff is involved with why the movie industry is kind of weird. Like, it's doing great at times, but then it has weird moments like this. Now, I talked about movies. We also talked about TV. I would say... Like, one show I'm really hyped about. Hyped about. The Bear. It, it, I watched all season one of The Bear, and I thought it was really good. Like, really good. It's about uh, this guy who runs a somewhat family-owned uh, restaurant in Chicago. But yeah, like, just the basis around it. That's the main basis. And just everything that goes around trying to keep it alive. Yeah, I, I thought it was really good. And season two looks really good off the trailer. So it debuts... Uh, June 22nd, 2023, and it's on Hulu, and all the shows come out, all the episodes come out at once, it's like a benching thing, but like, I, from what the reviews, if those reviews are true, like, I guess, like, uh, people are saying it's looking phenomenal, like, better than season one, so if that's the case, and I'm super hyped, and I hope you guys are super hyped about it too, but, uh, I would say though, in regards to benching, I'm more of a fan of just having a new episode every week keeps the suspense going. You're just binging it and, and just watching it every other hour or whatever. That's why those HBO Max shows, well now, what, Max shows, were so great. Like Succession and, yeah, shows like that. Very, because you had a new episode every, every single week, so you were hyped. Like, the suspense was insane, especially for Barry. Like, the suspense for Barry because of just how it was going. Like, it was stressful. But in a good way. Now, that's not the case right now because The Idol is not a good show. It stinks. I, from the clips I've seen, it looks like it got even worse from episode one. So, yeah. I wouldn't touch that one. You, any, you guys can watch it, I guess. But that's not, I'm not, that's not my cup of tea. Now, we talked about TVs. We talked about shows. One more thing with sports. Thursday night is the NBA draft. And I just want to say... Victor Wembanyama, If I'm pronouncing that right... I believe I am. Uh, okay, let me see. Oh yeah, Victor Wembanyama. Alright, so I think I did pronounce it well. But yeah, that guy's... I, I really am high. I, I'm high on him. I can see why some people think like, oh, what's the difference between him and Chris Stapps or, you know, Ralph Sampson. Chris Stapps had injury problems beforehand, even before he entered, entered the draft. And if he didn't have so many injury problems, who knows how well he could have played. We forget how good his rookie season was. He looked like a future consistent all-star. It was just injuries got in the way every single time and that he just couldn't get in the paint. And, and same thing honestly with Ralph Sampson. Injuries. But he was... A generational talent, just he couldn't stay on the court as much as he could have, as much as he should have. Well, yeah, he just he couldn't stay healthy. That's really what Ralph Sampson's main problem was. If Victor can stay healthy, I mean, at seven foot five, because he's even he's even taller than Ralph Sampson, Sampson and Kristaps. Uh, he's seven foot five. If he can get in the weight room, though, because again, he's a tall dude, so you're gonna have to get in the paint sometimes. He's not a shooting guard, so. 
like, yeah, you're going to have to learn how to, you got to be able to rebound and, and power with these guys. And he's going to have to get into the weight, into the weight room. Because that's what happened with Joel, Joel Embiid. He got bigger. Some people think to a certain extent a detriment because of the stamina sometimes was a problem because of the max amount of size he put on. But it helped him out overall, right? Anthony Davis got bigger. All these guys got bigger because they had to. So he's going to have to do the same thing. Same thing with Shet Holmgren uh, in their, yeah, previous year. Like, eventually, yeah, he's going to have to put on some pounds. But if he can pull that off, I mean, his ability to, to, to his defense is still great regardless. His ability to score, <laughs> the, <laughs> the handles he has, the shooting ability, like, it's insane for a person who's 7'5". He plays like a, almost like a point guard at 7'5", which is insane. Like, if he can just stay healthy and put on some pounds, yeah, he'll be a beast for the Spurs. And it makes sense. I mean, he fits the Spurs in so many different ways. So, yeah. Brandon Miller to Charlotte Horns is what's most likely, right? People think, right? Over Scoot Henderson? I'm not a fan of that if that were to happen. I, I'll, Brandon Miller, he has a talent. But he has some other problems that, you know, yeah. But Scoot Henderson, like, I, I look at him and, man, he really does look like a, a generational talent point guard-wise. Whoever gets him, I said the same thing about Ja. Like, he was, to me, I thought in his draft class, how he played, I thought he's the best possible prospect out there. Now, Ja's own personal problems are getting, way, getting in the way right now, but in terms of his actual talent, yeah. I think he's the best talent in that draft class. But overall, like, yeah, Scoot Henderson doesn't have those problems. Obviously, personal-wise, I'm not saying he's as high a ceiling as job, but he's a phenomenal talent at point guard. And so whoever gets him, they're getting, I think, is the second best pick in the draft. So, like, overall, like, uh, if it's Portland, congratulations to, per- to Portland. So, like, Overall, the draft class looks good. It's not like a two-person draft. There are other, other steals. One steal I want to think about. I really do like, and this might be because I'm a big fan, because I'm kind of biased. I'm from Michigan. I'm a Michigan fan. Go Blue. Kobe Bufkin, I think how he played the second half of the season for Michigan and his overall physical intangibles, like his, and his, his physical attributes... Being what six foot four as a point guard and a shooting guard, I I really like that. That dude would be a steal. He can shoot threes well. He can score in the paint. He can he can make his own shot. He can score off ball if needed. He passes well. He plays solid enough defense. He has great size, especially height for a point guard. Like I, yeah, I really think that would be a steal. Whoever gets him, they're getting a future star. I think potentially. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, it for the draft coming on Thursday night. Whoever, you know, yeah, I, I think, like I said, Victor looks great. I'm a big fan of Scoot Henderson. I think Kobe Bufkin's a steal for whoever gets him. Now, I did that. I wanted to make one quick thing before I went to my big-time pick. I was looking over, and I noticed on my... Twitter, the UFC Vegas 77 card, 
It looks awful. I barely knew anyone on there. It... One of the weakest looking cards I've ever seen. And I know this has been a running thing with UFC lately. I don't know if it's because of mass releases or whatever, but because of Endeavor, but man, their non-pay-per-view cards have been looking rather weak across the board like lately. Their fight night cards have been really weak lately. Like, I don't know what's up with that. But, you know, whatever. But yeah, now is my big time pick. And again, not a lot of sports going on right now. Especially not today. But if there is one thing as a College World Series, first off, we came to softball. Congrats to Oklahoma. I didn't talk about this enough. One of the most dominant dynasties in college sports history going on right now. Yeah. They, they look unstoppable and unbeatable again. And they proved it again. But yeah, congratulations to them on winning softball World Series. Now, as for this one, it's an eliminate two elimination games going on uh, tonight. One is TCU versus uh, Oral Roberts. And uh, that's a 2 p.m. Well, one's today and one's tonight. First one, 2 p.m. on ESPN, TCU versus Oral Roberts. I don't know. I'm going to go with Oral Roberts. First off, they looked a lot better overall. Well, not better than TCU overall, but they looked great in the regular season, and they're proving it now. So I'm going to go with the, the on-paper Cinderella team with Oral Roberts to win. And tonight, 7 p.m., ESPN, LSU, Tennessee, going with LSU. Definitely. It looked different than usual LSU teams in baseball. If you know, you know. But they look great. Like one of the favorites to win it all. So, yeah. Going with LSU. Over Tennessee. So, uh, that's it for today. Uh, Overall, like I said, you don't know what you're going to get. So, keep on watching. Next episode is Friday. So, uh, see y'all.